Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. It's working. Numbers are going. All right. Cool. We're going to talk about the rocket mass heater and the teepee and the big overhaul. I'm here with Jen. Say hi, Jen. Hi. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't do the stupid joke, which got old 20 years ago. Oh, jeez. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. So the rocket mass heater and the teepee. Seven years ago, we built a rocket mass heater in the teepee. And the idea was to kind of prove how it heats in a very different way, how rocket mass heaters heat in a diff- very different way. Um, it was a success. And and so, I don't know, in this podcast, I've probably talked about it too much, but basically the idea is, is that a teepee is an uninsulated structure. Um, Emily and Tony stayed there. Uh, one night it got to be 26 below. And on that night, it was like, you know, when we visited with them later, how did it feel? And it, and so, apparently in the morning, they got up, when it, when it was 26 below, they got up, and they uh, took off their night clothes and put on their day clothes. And um, uh, at that moment, they said that the interior felt like it was maybe 50 degrees. And it's important to go with felt like, and not what a thermometer says, because a thermometer is going to measure air temperature. It's not going to measure any kind of radiant uh, heat or conductive heat. So, all right, so it felt like about 50. And then it, so then they got all, they're all bundled up, and then they go outside, and then it was bitter cold. So, on the inside of an uninsulated structure with a rocket mass heater where the fire went out eight or nine hours previously, it felt like 50 degrees. That's the mission, and um, and and now we have the rest of the story as the years have passed, and and things have evolved. So, um, I think I, I've got notes here about three years ago, but I think it's important to talk about five years ago first. And so, um, but more than five years ago, we started getting this idea about stratification chambers. Um, so, Jen, do you want to describe what a stratification chamber would be? Not really, no. I've never, <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen one. I've heard you describe them, but, yeah. I think a great example that you can that you can see and that you have seen okay. is going to be the season extender. Okay, well, I mean, I've seen a pile of dirt that allegedly has the season extender in it. But, okay, so basically what a stratification chamber is, is it's a chamber or a large, say, a large piece of ducting, and there's a small piece of ducting coming out of it. When hot air comes in, it rises to the top, pushes the cooler air to the bottom, and so the cooler air is exhausted, allowing the hotter air to remain 
it stratifies, and then you get rid of the coldest air. That's that's good enough. Thanks. That's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry it was so painful for you. <laughs> All right. The, the idea is, is that back then it's like, you know what? If we could do this whole TP thing over again, right. let's do a stratification chamber. Because I really believe that, that they're going to be the way that we're doing rocket mass heaters in the future. Right. I think it's a, it's a we've got some examples of it. I, I just feel like this is a much smarter way to go for a lot of different reasons. Um the season extender is made out of, a, I think, seven um, barrels welded together end to end, so it looks like a giant Pringles can. And then the exhaust goes to the bottom of the, those barrels on one end, and then uh, so then the hot air just goes into the barrels, and then the cooler gases are pulled from the bottom. And I kind of feel like this is brilliant. It's going to, you know, probably double the overall efficiency of a rocket mass heater. So, uh, I was up in the teepee with Peter Vandenberg, and um, and Peter was telling me, you know, it would have been better if the stratification chamber, and, and I said, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, and, and it was like, you know, then it starts to niggle in your head, and, and it's like, well, how can we make a, a poor man's stratification chamber out of what, what we have? And um, so um, five years ago, uh, this guy who was the props guy for Penn & Teller so brought his magic to Wheaton Labs. And he um, made a uh, – he, he redirected the exhaust to go underground and then pop up next to the barrel. Because that's the other thing, too, is it's like – we're getting this, such great results from the rocket mass heater in the Fisher-Price house. And one of the things that it has to make it work so well is that the vertical exhaust is right next to the barrel. So it's like rather than the vertical exhaust being over by the bed in the teepee, far from the barrel, let's move it to be not only right next to the barrel, but kind of going over the barrel. Right. And, um, and it worked. The guy that did it reported that it had a much stronger draw. And and so, yay, great. Um, and then, uh, so we've got, we've basically implemented a poor man's stratification chamber. Um, and then three years ago, so that was five years ago that that went in. And um, um, the results were good. Three years ago, things weren't working well. So Ernie happened to be here, and so Ernie went up there, and a bunch of people went up there with him, and uh, he found that the core had basically dissolved. So there's a section of the core where it was um, sand, clay, and perlite, and nearly all the perlite had melted out, and a lot of that mortar mix that uh, we also had, I think it was mixed in with it was uh, some um, wool, some raw wool huh. as a aggregate. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the wool would burned out and um, the perlite had melted out. Perlite can only handle up to 1400 degrees before it turns liquid. So it's kind of like that makes sense. We, we need to stop using perlite in places like that. Yeah. So the perlite melted out um, and then eventually the uh, clay and sand started to basically dissolve 
Um, it can handle those high temperatures, but any kind of, like, once it gets dried out, and then you start, like, adding turbulence and a rough texture, it just, you know, doesn't last forever. So, um, uh, it did basically decompose to the point that there was, like, I think a hole. And so, uh, it needed to be replaced. At the time, we were doing a lot of projects with this orange fire brick. And, um... I think what we have learned, because the orange fire brick is referred to as the insulative fire brick, the insulated fire brick. And uh, I think what we have now learned is that the insulated fire brick, uh, it is way more insulative than regular fire brick, which isn't saying much. Yeah. And, and the orange stuff is crap, it turns out. For our needs. Yeah, it doesn't work very well. I wouldn't build with it. Yeah, it's, it's crap. So... Um, so three years ago, so three years ago, the orange fire brick went in, and Ernie put it in, and um, let's see. Uh, then we got to the point where we're talking about last year, right? The last year. I'm going to say, like this spring, maybe. Yeah. Summer or something. Yeah. The next thing that was tried was to investigate. Right. And so Josiah went up there with the scopey scope. Right. And he, you know, he would be able to tell you in more detail what he did, but he's not there. So I'm going to say he looked inside with the scopey scope and did not, well, we did, did find the wood inside. rat. He, yeah, yeah, he looked inside everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So. so we found a dead wood rat, very dead very flat wood rat. A uh, very handsome animal, except when dead, it turns out. <laughs> yes. Not, not so handsome. Not nearly as attractive as he once was. Um, and so we hypothesized that there might be a nest in there that was causing problems. So we looked more with the scopey scope. We've probed various orifices of the rocket mass heater. No nest has been detected. We're quite sure that there is no physical blockage anywhere in the ducting. Yeah, we need a better scopey scope or something in order to be more certain, but we're like 98% certain. Yeah. 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 All right. And then um, he found something else, and so Josiah found another problem, and like that, this could be it. Um, and, uh, and what was that? Um, I assume you're referring to how tight the gap was um, above the manifold. So he popped off the barrel. Right, and you look down in there, and there's, you know, there's the manifold, and there's cob around it, and the gap was just, like, finger width in some places. Very okay, so the, the barrel sat on top of a cob manifold. Correct. And so that meant that there needed to be some shelf to hold up the barrel. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, that that orange fire brick stuff takes up some real estate. Yes. And so this area that's already pretty tight is now full of orange fire brick. Right. And cob to hold up the barrel. And the gap between... Because now the gases need to go down to the manifold mm-hmm. and, and hit that ducting that goes into the bench. Correct. But now the gap right where the barrel is has gotten to be crazy tiny. It's just a little tiny slot for all those gases to get through. And it's kind of like, looks rather bottleneck-esque. Right. So Josiah 
widened the gap. He, he shaved the orange fire brick a little bit, shaved some of that cob back a little bit, opened the gap up, probably doubled the cross-sectional area. That's, I'm guessing that's about correct. Um, it kind of got to the point where he and Oren were like, eh, we don't want to really mess with this anymore for, you know, for reasons. We don't want it to fall apart. We might have to whack at it with, like, cold chisels or something. And so they, they stopped and retested it. And it, I mean... It still kind of sucked, which right. is, yeah, where where Fred and I entered the picture. Okay. And so, um, and uh, I'm looking at the list here. Um, I think, okay, let's talk about things that did not work. So the next item that you, is a thing that you tried. We, we kind of were worried about the, the there's an 8-inch vertical exhaust right next to the barrel Correct. and then over the barrel. Correct. And we're thinking this is going to have a great uh, tertiary siphon once it's warmed up. Right. And we then the, and then the thought was maybe and this is something that requires testing and so this is what you you guys did it and you tested it. And it's like let's go with a smaller vertical exhaust because maybe there's a laminar flow. Correct. So we're warming that vertical exhaust, and instead of it acting like a straw and pulling the gases out from underground, mm -hmm. that maybe the warm gases are being warmed next to the barrel and going up, and then they're just kind of popping over to the far side of the barrel and going back down. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's not a suck through a straw. So it's like, what if we go to a six-inch duct? Maybe it'll be more straw-esque. Right. And so we tried that. We replaced the eight-inch with a six-inch vertical exhaust. And the consensus between Fred and I was that it definitely didn't improve. And it might have sucked, well, it might have been slightly worse. I can't use the word sucked in this whole podcast. <laughs> it, it sucked in the bad way. Yeah, exactly. Now, and it's like it's, it's, the difference was so small. It's like we maybe really it's worse, tell. maybe it's the same. Yeah, it's like it could have been that we were, you know, 2% less good at lighting a fire that time. Or it could have been the exhaust, but it did not meet our standards at all. It was still terrible. So now before we go on to the next solution, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead to a to an item that's later on the list, but it's like I think it's time we gotta talk about it right now. Okay. And that is cold plug. Right. So um and and it's like you and I and Fred sat down on what, four different occasions and had in-depth conversations about what do we try next. Yeah. And so I think that the number one item for the TP is the cold plug. And uh, what this is, is that, like, even, like, let's, let's talk about the rocket mass heater here in the Fisher-Price house. Right. And that's our best rocket mass heater by far. It has a powerful, strong draw. It has such a strong draw that almost any time that we've ever gone to light it, that you can feel the air being pulled into it even before you light it. Right. And so it's got a lot of air, oxygen, going into the system, and, and it's all going the correct way right out of the gate. Yes. But if it gets to be uh, warmer outside than it is inside, then that is not the case. 
the air is not moving. Correct. It's the cold plug. In fact, if it's warmer outside and we try and start a fire, what we would experience for any rocket mass heater is that the fire will burn fine for two hours. So it might be a little harder to start. Right. And then it seems to be working fine for two minutes. Mm. Then it smokes back out of the wood feed. What? No. What? Oh, this is terrible. Stop. Stop. Ah. Disaster. All right. Cold plug. Yes. So what happens is, is that the gases go into the mass and, and the mass is cold. And so the gases get chilled. And then by the time you're getting to the vertical exhaust and you need it to go out, then those gases are too cold to go up and out. Right. And since it's warmer outside, then it's like there's not this already kind of a draw thing happening. So it's a it's a cold plug. Yes. Now of course most of the year it's already warmer inside than it most of the year that we're trying to, we want a rocket mass heater. Right, right. And and so it's like, oh it's it's cold day. It's cold inside. Well it's even colder outside. That's why when you go to start the fire, it's like the draw is already happening. Correct. Okay. Moving on to the teepee. Any time that the mass is cold, there's a cold plug. Right. I, I mean, mean, the structure and the outdoors are the same temperature because it's an uninsulated structure. And if nobody's been in there for a while and the mass is cold, yeah, just cold plug every time. A cold plug every time. I mean, even if it was like... A uh, an insulated structure that no one's been in for two weeks. Mm-hmm. You would go like like I'm going to start a fire in the morning. Right. And uh, but the interior temperature is still kind of holding the average temperature from the previous day. Yeah. So it might be 10 degrees outside, but it'll be maybe 30 inside. So no cold plug. Not so in the teepee. Right. And uh, so cold plug almost every time like if two or three days pass now there's going to be a cold plug when you try and start it so we came up with this bit of vocabulary of like okay there's always going to be a cold plug and so we get two minutes you get that that two minutes of everything is getting warmed up and started and there's a pressure backup inside the mass and then once the tertiary thermosiphon gets warmed up then you'll beat the cold plug. The tertiary thermosiphon being heating the vertical exhaust by it being near the barrel. Yeah. So that it sucks. And like a straw, in the good way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, in a good way. Sucks in a good way. <laughs> so uh, it's so th- in our case, it's like, oh, this should be easy because of two important things. One, the vertical exhaust actually kind of goes over the barrel. Right. And two... Once you get a couple minutes in, you get the cherry on top. That's where the middle of the barrel on top warms up so much that if, I mean, usually it's going to take probably about 15 minutes, but you can actually literally see a cherry on top. It'll get cherry red on top. But let's, you know, so two minutes, it's not, you're not going to see the cherry red, but we refer to it as the cherry on top. So the cherry on top is pointed right at that 
vertical exhaust. Correct. And so with the with that pipe being black and the cherry kind of pointed at it, it seems like if you can get two minutes in, then it should heat that vertical exhaust on the side as well as on the top such that... Um, uh, it'll the, the tertiary thermosiphon will kick in. Right. That's our plan. That's what we were trying to get to have happen. Right. Um, and I think that, that that it's still a good plan, and I want to circle back to that next year. Right. Well, and that's what led us into trying to improve the core of the rocket mass heater. So we're trying to get that cherry on top, and to do that, you need a strong, well-insulated core. Um, yes. And we had the orange fire brick core, which, as we have said, is kind of crap. Yeah. So Fred and I disassembled it um, and replaced it with the... We've been calling it molded ceramic core. I think it's like... Ceramic fiber molded Yeah, stuff. it's like cast refractory something something on the order yeah. form. Yeah. So the, place, the place that actually makes the Dura blanket, which is the ceramic fiber wool, and they make the Dura board, which is the ceramic fiber board. Yeah. Um, they also make this molded stuff. Yeah. But like... The ceramic fiber wool is like 50 bucks for not a really huge piece, but kind of a small roll. Right. And then the uh, Dura board is 50 bucks for uh, a two feet by four foot piece that is an inch thick. Right. So both of those are expensive, but they're crazy cheap compared to this moldable stuff, this molded stuff. So we can get the tubes and I believe a four foot length of tube, which is what you need for most rocket mass heaters is about 300 bucks. Yeah, which it's painful because we're finding more and more that that's the stuff that works the best. Like, yeah. It's like five times better. Yeah, if I were going to build something in my house, I'd shell out the 300 bucks. So yeah, we replaced most most of the orange fire brick riser with the molded ceramic stuff, but we didn't have quite enough of it. So the top section is made of five-minute riser, which Paul calls three-minute riser because Fred and I didn't have. So it's made by. <laughs> <laughs> the idea is, is this is this is a mud thing. Right, right. This and, is and so designed by Uncle two, Mud. Two layers, two layers of the dura blanket. Dura blanket. Right. With a metal on the outside to kind of give it some right. strength. Right, because you can't have metal control. on the inside because it'll spall. But um, it has metal on the outside. But we didn't have big enough ducting for the construction process to work out, so it only has one layer of Dura Blanket. So Paul calls it a three-minute riser. But whatever, it's mostly molded ceramic fi- fiber and then the three-minute riser on top. Um, and that definitely worked better. Um, strong improvement, but still not good. Like, even with... Not good enough. Not good enough. Like, the exhaust wasn't clean steam. Even after burning for a while, it would smoke back. And this was with me and Fred running it, who have, you know, it's not our first time lighting a rocket mass heater. So it's going to be far worse for somebody who, like, rents the TP and just comes to stay. So we're like, it still needs improvement. 
so we tried a few things. Um, one of okay, you the, look like you want to say something. Oh, uh, oh yeah, I want to say all the things. Um, <laughs> but but we're on the right track. I mean, the, the, finally, uh, the thing we kept talking about as we're doing all these experiments is we got somebody coming to stay in the teepee. Right, we're like, and it's under cold the gun. outside. Yeah, and yeah. so they're gonna need this to be working. Right, and we kept saying like, let's try this and try this and try this because we're all about experimenting and making things way better. And at the same time, we kept saying, well, if all else fails, we will go to plan D. What, right. What was plan D? So plan D was essentially, so in the arrangement we had, it goes, the ducting goes through the bench, and then it goes underground to create the sort of pseudo-stratification chamber, and then comes out next to the barrel. And basically, plan D is that we just route the vertical exhaust directly out the end of the bench. It doesn't go underground, and it doesn't come out near the barrel. Um, Kind of the way Emily and Tony had it seven years ago. Seven years ago. And the advantage of that is you don't have the cooling as it goes underground, the disadvantage is you don't have the tertiary thermosiphon having it go next to and over the barrel. Um, so we tried a couple other things. Do you want to talk about those? Yeah, no, this is, yeah. I mean, this is my podcast. I get to be rambly. Right. And it's like, and I feel like the details are important because people are like, I want to build rocket mass heater. What works? What doesn't? So we got to talk about our failures as well as our successes. Right. So one thing that we tried was we just bypassed the entire bench, basically, the entire mass. We call this Plan G. Yes, even though we tried it before Plan D, because Paul didn't like it as much as Plan D. It was Plan G. Plan G for garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Even if it works, it fails. Right, So, and it did work by bypassing the whole mass and the cooling involved therein and just routing it out a clean out almost directly after it comes out, you know, of the the rocket mass heater itself or the rocket engine. Um, That worked. It, It did nicely, but it didn't heat the TP well because it didn't go through the mass. Strong draw, clean burn. Right. Exactly. But of course, once that the instant that that fire goes out, the whole TP is freezing again. So yeah, kind of pointless. So we said like, okay, there is a benefit to not having all of this cooling taking place. And then we essentially went to plan D, which is like, yeah, okay, it goes through the mass, but it doesn't go underground, so it doesn't get as cooled. And that was a pretty strong win. Like, it's working yeah. pretty well. Working pretty well. Now, of course, if you, if you own the um, the new four DVD set for rocket mass heater stuff, um, the first of those four DVDs is about building a Cobb-style rocket mass heater. And I think it's the second half of the DVD that is about building the Cobb-style rocket mass heater in the teepee. And um, the, uh, as you can kind of see them building the Cobb bench and laying in the ductwork. So there's a single duct from the manifold of the rocket mass heater that starts low in the bench and it gradually goes up, just a pinch. And so Erica was super cautious. To her, it's critically important that it just barely goes up, like that ducting always just barely goes up. And so... 
it uh, barely goes up through the bench, and then it gets then the bench gets really wide at the end, and that's where the bed is. So there's a so the bench gets wide, and then a mattress goes on top of that. It's roughly a full size mattress. Yeah, sure. You know, I know. Yeah, I mean, not really, and I'm not sure how. Not really. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a weird shape. It's, it's, yeah, it's a weird shape. It is a mattress, and a human sized person can sleep on it. Maybe two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe two. Two people who really like each other. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, Anyway, the the and then the duck just goes barely up, barely up, barely up. Now, um, so that was the original design, and then we just you know um, Plan D, which was what we went with, is to just basically uh, disconnect the underground element and then plug the um, vertical exhaust into that. So now it's nowhere near the barrel again. Right. But um, the gal that stayed in the teepee has a lot of rocket mass heater experience, and she reported that it worked great. Yeah. And so, uh, and of course, you guys tested it. It worked great. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like if we can get this shitty stratification chamber idea to work. Right. We might be able, somebody could live in there all winter long, and they would probably heat themselves with half the wood of what they would use with what's there right now. Right. And I think... I think our consensus was, like, in order to retry the stratification chamber thing, we'd probably need to further improve the core. Yeah. Um, get rid of the three-minute riser and have that be the molded ceramic stuff. And then, like, the burn uh, tunnel itself, instead of having that be Duraboard, it would be more like the Fisher-Price house, which we call it the puppy burner. It's essentially the molded ceramic stuff, um, but in a slightly different, you know, configuration. And it's it's used in pet crematoriums, which is why it has that name. Um, but yeah, basically the whole core would be molded ceramic fiber. Yeah. And then we'd retry the stratification chamber aspect. Yeah. I even kind of wonder if we might want to bump it down to five inch um, vertical exhaust and try that to get the straw effect that I was searching for. Right. Or, I mean, there might be a bunch of other things that we could try. Right. Right. But, um, you know, we're getting into, you know, a lot of details. I just real quick, I want to kind of, I mean, we talked about getting um, some more of that uh, molded ceramic fiber stuff in this year. Yeah. But there's a big problem. So this is, this is going to be a, a tangent, I suppose. <clears throat> the well. Yeah, the big problem. We've been go. We've been trying to get the well for seven years, and so it's like we're this year. We kind of said we're going to brute force the well, and um, so we did the Kickstarter, and it's like we didn't quite get enough to do the well. And that was going to be our big thing. Let's yeah. do this Kickstarter so we get the well. We didn't quite get enough money, and we said, you know what? Let's make the leap. And we will... So we've got a couple of people standing by willing to be jetpackers. And so give us that extra bit of money if we need it for the well. And we found a, a well driller that could do it in November. Uh, We're recording this now on December 11th. Yeah. 
the um, well driller is behind schedule. Yeah. Did you call him yesterday? I didn't. I need to. So I need to call him today. Okay. But we've. I've called him so many times. It's like probably we we're kind of trying to pace ourselves <laughs> yeah. on when's the next time to call him. <clears throat> but now the thing is, is that the money for this has to be spent before December 31st and it's currently December 11th and it sounds like he might not make it right in which case we don't get the well this year right and it's not like we get it on January 3rd or something because we've got to spend the money that we reserved before the end of the year on something that's not the well and then we've got to like start all over otherwise we lose a thirty a third of it to the tax man to the tax man um, so yeah. and it's kind of like this has been a weird year like yeah, that we had some crazy we kind of had talk. three things maybe four things that just had to be nailed down this year and because of just crazy shit we're, I, it looks like we're going to be 0 for 4 and I'm kind of yeah. killing me I'm going to go crazy and so ugh, and I, I want to complain about all the things. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? In my podcast is the proper place to complain <laughs> about all the things. <laughs> but I also kind of feel like the big mitigation is going to be this podcast that we're going to record coming up really soon. Right. The one about the click. Yeah. I, and I was kind of shocked to learn that apparently I have not made a podcast about the click. And I thought I had, but okay, so we're going to make one. We're going to have a, we're going to have four people who have all experienced the click, and we will all four talk about it in an upcoming podcast. So I think that's important. Right. It'll justify why we endure setbacks. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm so angry. All right. And it's like, okay, well, let's order it. Because when you, when you order this material, it's like you got to put in a big order because they only ship freight. Right. And, and it's like, okay, it's going to be $300 for freight. So get, as, get a bunch of it all at once. Get, get a good 2500 bucks worth of stuff all at once. Yeah. Otherwise, if you just get like 300 bucks worth and there's 300 bucks in freight, it's like, well, that was dumb. But it's enough money that money's got to come out of the money for the well. Right. And we're already, like, short on money for the well, maybe, yeah. depending on how deep the well is. So it's too nerve-wracking. We can't do it. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, if we cannot get the well this year, then we should put that order in immediately. Exactly. But it, a lot of times it takes a week and a half to get the order in. Right. Well, and that's the thing is, like, even if they call us in three days and say, like, it's time to dig the well, it's like now we're scared they're not going to finish before the end of the year and we still won't be able to spend the money. So it, life is suffering. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. The, the rocket mass heater in the teepee. Yes. And it's like, all right, so the next time we're going to do ceramic fiber core through and through and then see if we can get our poor man's stratification chamber running. And and that's because the alternative is something where it's like, rather than putting the alternative into the, the rocket mass heater, into the bench that's there, I'm thinking like, let's build a whole new teepee. Right. In which case it's like, I don't want to. <laughs> right. Well, that's kind of the solution that... If Fred and I had proposed would be 
perhaps the best is essentially to make it like the one here that works amazingly. So I think you call it like the over and back. So the exhaust goes yeah. down to the end of the bench, and then it loops back all the way through the bench and comes out right next to or over the barrel. Yeah. So you still get the tertiary thermosiphon, but you don't have the, like, going underground thing happening. But rebuilding, like destroying and rebuilding a cob bench is just going to be hell. Um, yeah. That's an enormous amount of work. I mean, it, it would probably take more work to do that than to build a whole new Cobb bench. Right. We would just move the TP to a slightly different site and build one afresh and, like, I don't know, drive over the old one with the excavator or something. I don't even know. I can't even... I, that, it would, I think I would die if we did that. Yeah. Because there's, there's so... So much invested in the teepee that's there. Right. Just so much time. Yeah. Just so much effort, so much care. Right. It's kind of like to get to where we've gotten, it's like, no. Yeah. We're just I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it. it's like, okay, but so, all right, that... The the key is is that we're not going to do that. Right. I'm I'm just going to say no. Yeah. And it's like, um, but and further, I don't I don't I feel like the big test that we wanted to do because I remember for years before I got this property, I kept trying to find somebody who wanted to have a teepee in their backyard right. with a rocket mass here. Oh yeah. And yeah. and it's like we just got to do the test. We got to prove this. Right. And it'll because. And, and and I know this is going to sound really dumb considering how everything is right now, but I was sure that if we could have a teepee with a rocket mass heater in it and we could prove what we proved, right? suddenly everybody in the world would then understand. Right. And then interest in rocket mass heaters would jump by a hundredfold. Right. And everybody, it would be obvious, and we're all moving forward. Instead, it's like, why why do I still feel like I'm swimming upstream on this rocket mass heater stuff? I mean, we've put out so much information, and we've, we've infected so many brains. How is it that this isn't, like, completely taking over everything? And there's, like, yeah, ah, Right. Okay. <clears throat> so once I bought the property, that was like the first thing that we did. Right, right. Is we arranged for a TP to be delivered, and we're going to put a rocket mass heater in it. And we did. We it, it major success. And here we are. All right. Mm. Um. Okay. Uh, I want to point out that the Dura blanket. Yeah. And the DuraBoard uh-huh. are not as insulative as we once thought. Right. The molded stuff. Way better. Five, maybe seven times more insulative. And when we have used it, like here in the Fisher-Price house, we use every winter. That's our primary heat. I mean, um... I'm trying to think, like, when was the last time we actually turned on the heat that the building came with? Not since I've been here, which is going on two years. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, it's, we really use it. We use it heavily. And when we, uh, and then during the recent um, uh, BB20 event, 
we popped it open and we looked inside and that um, riser which is now five or six years old looked brand new yeah It, it looked like it hadn't been used even once so it just had a little dusting of ash on the top edge of it. Right, yeah, we just vacuumed it off, and it looked thick and span. Yeah. So um, on top of that, I remember Ernie doing a bunch of experiments with it before, like in 2012. There's a, In fact, in the first four DVD set, you can see Ernie with one of these ceramic molded ceramic fiber core risers, these tubes. Yeah. And he's conducting experiments with it. And he's grabbing the tube with his bare hands and lifting it mm-hmm. while it's been after it's been burning for like half an hour. Oh, crazy! And so it's like it just shows how cool it is, how insulative right. it is, how powerfully insulative it is. Right. Yeah. So um, uh, I think that that's critical, and that we've been using the DuraBoard and the Dura Blanket in a bunch of different spots. And I think that while they are able to sustain, you know, uh, with Stand these high temperatures, they just don't have that insulative punch right. that yeah. this molded ceramic fiber does. I don't know why. I don't know why either. And, I mean, I don't know how many of the podcast listeners realize how dependent, like, the strength and cleanness of the burn is on the insulative property of the core, but it makes a really big difference for how well the rocket mass heater actually burns, how clean it burns, how well it drafts. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would say that in a in a home, then that ceramic fiber core, that molded ceramic fiber core, the puppy burner plus the tube, yeah, um, combined with having the vertical exhaust be so close to the barrel, right. and I would I would like to advocate in future because like the one here is like an inch gap and I would say if you could get it to either touch or be within an eighth of an inch would be even better yeah I agree with that analysis if I were going to build one in my house I'd use the over and back design and the fully molded ceramic fiber core and have it almost kiss the barrel and go over the top like really, that. you wouldn't you wouldn't use a stratification chamber. Well, again, I I don't have much experience with the stratification chamber thing. This one works really well. It's kind of hard to mess with success. Yeah, exactly. I okay, that, that's a very good point. Yeah. I um and we have seen like we like there's the the whole thing about the the batch box stuff where it's like oh man. I don't want to do that. I don't want to touch that myself personally. Yeah, you have a lot of experience with it. Yeah, so, yeah, like I have touched it, but if I'm if I'm building one in like my personal little permaculture paradise, I'd rather just build a J tube that I know is going to work. And like here, I think it'd be cool to experiment with the stratification chamber if it's a lot more efficient and it burns as wonderfully as this. Yeah. I'd totally go with that, but we haven't really seen it yet. Okay, uh, I I think it's I know that we've had some podcasts where we really rip on the batch box stuff. Right. I I I I want to say that I think that it, it might someday come back around. Right. And uh, 
and there's all the but I still think you've got to do the whole door for it and it's like how to do the door gets to be a job yeah the skillet door that you guys have going on right now up at Allerton Abbey seems to be working out pretty good yeah that one's pretty sweet um it's kind of the upgrade of the casserole lid door but yeah. it doesn't shatter unlike the casserole lids right. um it's been pretty nice it's pretty easy yeah, yeah. the handle's gonna get pretty hot it does you gotta grab it with like a wool potholder yeah but, yeah. yeah but uh um I do think that the, the, I'd like to get some more experimentation done with stratification chambers here. And and I think, I mean, we've got 11 fully functional rocket mass heaters plus several other rocket things. Right. And so when you've been here long enough, you get a chance to use pretty much all of them. And then it's like, because I think there's a lot to be said for somebody who is very passionate about a particular design and they don't really use the other designs mm-hmm. and they're going to make that design work. And I'm glad that they're going to try to make that other design work. But here, I think there's a lot to be said for like, I am a consumer of the designs, not a designer. And I've gone and used all these. So I'm thinking you being the yeah. person who's used all of these. And then it's kind of like, which one... You know, do you want to do when you build yours? Right. And, and now you're saying J tube. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a horse in the race as far as design goes. Like, yeah, I've just had a chance to mess with them all, mm. and it seems like the standard J tube to me would be the way to go. It's like within my level of fabrication ability, it works well. And, yeah, it just seems to not have all the weird fiddliness of the batch boxes. Um, I mean, we just got done talking about how trying to change the innards of the cob bench are like, just forget it. Right. Um, Would you say that you would, for yours, that you build someday in the future, are you going to do cob bench or are you going to do pebble style? Ooh. That, see... It would probably be cob, but that's because I really like cobbing and think it's beautiful. Yeah. But if I just wanted to, like, get something built, I'd do pebble style. Yeah. Right. So maybe the thing to do is it'd be like, okay, I'm building my new home. Winter's coming. I'm going to build pebble style for now. And then maybe next year or the year after... I'll swap it out for cob. Yeah, well, and I think it's like if you like getting in there and, like, plastering and, you know, like, working out your float marks and making everything beautiful and all of that, then, like, you know, yeah, make a cob-style bench. But the one here in the Fisher-Price house is pebble-style, and, like, we're never going to rip it out and replace it with cob, I, I don't think. Like, I don't see any reason why we would. It works great. It looks nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that it needs um it I, there's some changes I want to make to it. I want to oh, yeah. I want to do some experimenting. Mm-hmm. I mean, if uh, one of the walls, like the one facing the couch, is starting to bow a little there bit, there is that. Yeah, so yeah. We need to get some need so, some reinforcement. We need to take the pebbles out, put some new steel straps in along the top to right. kind of pin it into the right shape again, yeah. and then put everything back in. Right. So there's some of that. Sure. Um, but that's more like maintenance. Yeah. I mean, you got to do maintenance on Cobb, too. You're like, oh, it's kind of gotten beat up over the years. Right. We're going to have to go and kind of, you know, lay down some fresh Cobb to kind of patch it. Right. Well, and we've been having some de- debates is maybe not the right word, but some discussions in the Abbey about, like, 
proper ways to seal cobs so that it's not dusty without causing a VOC problem or, you know, things like that. And so you have to do something to the cob if it's in your house to make it not just raw cob that dusts everywhere, which is, yeah, another issue to consider. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to – I don't think we put this on a podcast yet. We're not doing the ATI test this year. Yeah, it's we've got some some air quality issues, frankly. With we've been doing the floors in Allerton Abbey, um, sealing them with raw linseed oil, um, and this like natural quote unquote natural floor wax BioShield, I believe was the brand name, but I can't remember for sure. And like from some source, we're getting air quality issues in there such that like we can't really be in there um, sleeping It's a violation of our standards. It's a violation of our standards exactly. I think the reason why we do what we do is because we have standards. Right exactly and so like we are working to mitigate it to figure out what the issue is um, we're trying like an air to air heat exchanger and talking about designs for that but it's just like it's too late in the year the ATI test is just not really on rails so yeah our goal is to just get it into magnificent shape to do the ati next year smoothly yeah Yeah. and so um i'm thinking that whether it's that wax or the linseed oil i think it's more most likely the wax but i could be wrong the key is is like by next year it'll have off-gassed you know what 99% of whatever it's going to off gas right. and so now it becomes relatively inert and by then we'll have so much stuff in there to make the air crystal clear yeah. that it's like okay now it's great now we can do the annualized thermal inertia test um <clears throat> So yeah, that's part of our that's that's two four yeah over yeah. four that's the second one yeah and it's maddening it's just killing me <laughs> so um <clears throat> on the bright side um this year we have implemented for the boot camp half-assed holidays they're so fun (laughs) we just had one yesterday where we decorated for christmas and then watched a christmas movie uh for the second half of the work day yeah yeah Yeah. so so we've got i think it's like seven half-assed holidays yeah i think everybody's looking forward to the uh pina colada day the most yeah we're gonna colada day is awesome we've got like hawaiian shirts and we're gonna make like fruity drinks and Bring the air qual uh, the air temperature up to like 80 degrees in here. So when you drink iced drinks, it's actually nice. Yeah, kind of like the tropics comes to Montana. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think on the uh, on everybody is getting the the uh, the Hawaiian shirts you talked about, and it'll you're going you are arranging like today you're going to go in and get them all embroidered with the uh, the Montana Banana Project. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all the boots that are here on January 6th yes. get to have uh, one of these Hawaiian shirts. Hawaiian shirts, yes, which have and, bananas printed all over and them. And pina coladas. And pina coladas, <laughs> indeed. Um, yeah, we've got, like, little paper umbrellas and everything, um, so that'll be fun. But, yeah, just to brighten up, like, this is the darkest part of the year and the coldest, and so, like, it just makes it nice to have, like, little cheerful 
We've got Christmas and New Year's. Right. And we did think Thanksgiving was awesome. Thanksgiving was really good. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun. And so I just I just kind of feel like a lot of people kind of clear out when it gets cold. Right, like, right. It's Montana. So we're like enticing them to stay. Yeah, I I think I last year we tried something to make the boot camp a little nicer in the winter time, and it was kind of like nobody cared. Right. Yeah. You know, true. And I just kind of feel like the half ass holidays. I think this one will stick. Yeah, this one seems like a lot of fun. People seem into it. And it's like, you're all still, like, you're required to attend the half-ass holiday, right? Yeah, it's a work day. (laughs) Exactly. So, like, the whole community. You are required to do Christmas decorations. Get to work. Right, exactly. And now you're required to watch this Christmas movie. You're required to bake cookies or whatever (laughs) your Christmas treat of choice is. So, like, the whole community still, like, stays together. It's not like a day off where we scatter and go run our own errands and stuff. Um, But, yeah, it's really been fun. You're required to drink that drink. <laughs> that that oh, I've already forgot what it's pina called. Colada. Pina colada. You are required to drink that pina colada. You can get another virgin or with rum. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go get rum too because I keep going in on Sunday and can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta figure out what's the kind of rum because there's different kinds. Right, I but don't. Know. You're required to wear that Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, absolutely. You're required to wear the Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> I'm not getting them embroidered for nothing. So, uh, yeah, and then uh, anyway, we've got a whole list of them. Um, they're up there on Permies if you really want to know what all the half-assed holidays are. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I, I've been having fun. I think it's, I think it's been good. I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to the rest of them. I think the half-ass holidays are actually better than the uh, than the actual like Christmas. Yeah, you know, it's like it was Christmas going to turn out to be kind of weak, but right. I don't know. I've I've picked out some good Christmas presents for people. Oh, cool! I think you guys will be happy. Awesome! And so, um, uh, I, your Christmas present last year I think was pretty good. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally. So uh, I I think we're going to be doing pretty Everybody's good. Everybody's always trying to steal it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Everybody wants your gift. And it's like, can I borrow this? Just forever? <laughs> totally. But no, they can't. It's mine. <laughs> Stop it! Okay. Anything else about the rocket mass heater in the teepee? It seems like it's doing fine, but of course we want to do better. Right. I think, yeah, I think that about sums it up. We want to make the teepee magnificent. It's doing really well right now, but there's, you know, we outlined a couple things we'd like to try, or one thing we'd like to try and one thing we want to avoid. Um, And, yeah, we'll report back if we get more results on how those go sometime in the future. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about homesteading, permaculture, rocket mass heaters, all the The time. time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts. 